0: The following podcast is an excerpt from Jennifer's new podcast called Room for Two. This podcast features coaching sessions with real clients who are working through issues in their emotional and sexual relationships. You'll get to hear real wisdom from Dr. Finlayson Fife, who is uniquely qualified to help couples who grew up in sexually conservative environments to overcome their relational and sexual roadblocks. The podcast can be downloaded and listened to at any time, making it convenient to access Dr. Finlayson Fife's work and insights. If you want to learn more about this new podcast, follow the link in the show notes below to visit the website and subscribe.
1: Give me a little bit of what your story is and what you've been trying to solve unsuccessfully and the character of how you feel stuck. So in my opinion, we're stuck because of a couple of things.
2: One is Noah had infidelity that was one of our therapists called a complete infidelity, which is that it was emotional and physical. There was a deep friendship. It was a working relationship. So there was so much entangled in that. And it was long long term. And Mm -hmm. I did know the person and constantly was warning him against the possibility of the infidelity and felt Mm -hmm. very ignored and felt very um, put to the side and that there was nothing I could do to win that triangle. I was the one on the outside and I just Mm -hmm. knew I couldn't do anything to stop it. So I just started to ignore it. And then it was unfortunately, actually, my children who caught the infidelity and Mm -hmm. confronted their father and then told me
3: through texts on my phone which Mm -hmm. I I tried to minimize and kind of divert it and say well it was really actually just this and this is all that meant and that it wasn't Mm -hmm. what it could have implied but uh that didn't hold up for well I tried to make that hold up for probably oh several months and then
2: Mm. And I dug more and did my research and found, you know, more and more and more. And he lied for over two years at the level of the infidelity. He lied to me for a year that it was just emotional. And then another year went by before he confessed that it was also physical. And then Mm -hmm. on top of that revelation was the fact that he has issues with pornography and has our entire marriage and still does.
1: So, Mm -hmm.
3: yeah. And I think that that could Defined, actually, as what that means, issues with pornography. But pornography has been, I mean, yeah, back to the A first time that I was exposed to pornography when I was in grade three and eight years old. But, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then how long ago, Allie, did you find out? Meaning, when did the kids discover the text? It might have been three, three or years. four years. It's been three or four yeah. years. Been going and then, through
3: this. but full disclosure was... Uh, just over two years ago now.
1: Okay. And then when did the relationship with her end, assuming it's ended?
3: That ended the day of full disclosure. I have not yeah. spoken to her or had any communication with her since then.
1: Okay. And then how long was that relationship?
3: Well, the relationship was probably about 12, 13 years. And I mean, of course, I've learned more what infidelity means um, so i think the infidelity may have started oh maybe five years of a relationship where i felt like i was trying to keep things secret where i mm-hmm. had feelings but i would never tell anybody about them
2: mm-hmm.
3: but, so nothing actually happened meaning there was never any outward expression of it in terms of overt expression of course yeah. there was flirting, there was not even innuendo because the innuendo was forbidden, you know, like yeah. we worked together so there was no kind of game playing where we yeah. had a secret. There was
1: no open collusion. No, it's not no, like not yes. Uh-huh. Yeah.
3: Then I crossed the line and mm. from that point forward was probably about oh, I would say I, I again dates get confusing at this point but probably 6 6 to 9 months maybe at the most. Oh, so
1: from the point probably. of you being openly engaging her in a more overtly uh sexual way or overtly romantic way there was 6 to 9 months of time before it came out you're saying before
3: That's right. Okay. So for example she would say things like I love you meaning you're my best friend. Now, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, Jennifer, like I don't want to say things that are going to be triggering for my wife, you know, going back, like these are going to be hard things for Ali to hear again. Uh, Mm -hmm. So if you want to prompt me to shut up, go ahead and say, you know, you don't need to say these things or whatever. But-
1: Before you go forward, let me just check in with Ali about that. What do you think, Ali? Meaning they're valuable for me to understand, but- Where are you with that?
2: Um, I'm a lot stronger than I was, but I mean, even him saying that she said she loved him is triggering for me and I freaking hate it. But in order to move forward, I will tolerate whatever I need to tolerate and then have my breakdown later, I guess. But that was like,
3: she would say that in front of her partner. Mm -hmm. So for her, it was was, friendship, mm -hmm. love kind of thing. And that's what the nature of the relationship was. Now. Boundaries were inappropriate for sure. I mean, I just think even that is inappropriate to some degree. And for sure, she has boundary issues and all kinds of things like that. But
1: it's walking a line that many people do walk, which is it's like enough to give enough of that energy. That's right. But enough for it to be deniable. And it often makes the partners uncomfortable because they track it and map it. But then it's still deniable. I think that's what the quality of what you're describing.
2: And the thing is, this woman was not shy about showing her affection for my husband. And I would confront him and he would say, that's just her way. And that would put me down, like shut me down, that I'm the one being ridiculous. So she was so clearly flirting constantly. Her boundaries were. Absolutely. So inappropriate. Buying him gifts, you know, just absolutely inappropriate.
1: I have a couple of thoughts before you keep telling your story, Noah. But first, this is absolutely right on, Allie, what you're saying. So that is that many times partners or the kids are mapping something feels off, but it's not abject infidelity. So it's sort of mind twisting because Mm
2: -hmm.
1: they're mapping the sexual energy. But then it can be framed as we're just friends. What are you talking about? You're so sensitive. You know, you're just the jealous type. It's an area in which a lot of mind twisting can happen because it can get framed as friendship, friendly, just somebody's style. And of course, there are people out there who are jealous of everything and they are misattributing sometimes. But oftentimes, the jealous partner is mapping accurately that there is a sexual energy that's getting communicated. And especially if kids are picking up on it, something's Mm -hmm. off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I can tell you right now, I'm not the jealous type. I let way too much slide. Right. You're the self-doubting type, I imagine, or you're the, I must be wrong on this. And so. Yeah. Or uh I said what I said and I can't change it as much as I want to. Right. Exactly. And so it was almost easier, I imagine, to just think, I must just be misunderstanding because it was that actually would be more, easier. I will trust him. That's right. That's what it uh-huh. was.
2: Is I thought that he could not cross that right. line.
3: And I was going to say that. Yeah. I was it's
2: naive to think he could cross so
3: that line. More so, he wouldn't yeah. do that, so I must be wrong.
1: Yeah. Right. But
3: I know I'm not wrong. And that's a very right. scary place to be.
1: Absolutely. You want to believe and you've been... Allowed to believe this is who my husband is, or for other people, who my wife is, if that's the person who's been unfaithful. But also, yeah, there's a collusion. <laughs> you know, like the person having the affair is often trying to push on that muscle in their spouse to throw them off yeah. and even delude themselves that this is innocent, that this well, doesn't have to
3: delude yes. to- myself, actually. Absolutely. It like, can't really be real because this isn't who I am. I would never do that's that. That's right. I'm not ever going to do that.
1: And yes. So absolutely. this is the
3: way that person is, which which very well may be, but it's still not appropriate.
1: That's right. It doesn't make it innocent. It doesn't mean that there's not a validation exchange happening that right. feels good, that you want to keep going. And so, absolutely. you know, a lot of times infidelity is happening long before someone takes their clothes off.
3: Exactly. And that's yes. why I said, as I learned about infidelity, yes. I realized, of course, that you know, that I was unfaithful long before the lines crossed.
1: Right, exactly. Before there's a reportable offense, so to speak, yes. And one thing I would say, Ali, is I know that it's hard to hear these things. And I don't want, obviously, for us to be in any way indulgent around the information. Like, I don't think anyone here is going to be indulgent. (laughs) But I think that it's for there to be any chance of a meaningful trust reestablished which I don't know if it's possible for you guys. I want to be clear. I'm not here making any promises. That's really for the two of you to figure out. But I think for there to be any meaningful trust on some level, Ali, you do have to walk through the dark of what this is for you to be able to make a decision that doesn't haunt you forever.
2: Yeah, I agree. It's like Mm this fine line of wanting to know and then not wanting to know because it hurts so much. But I know my mind and I need to know. I need to know.
1: Exactly. And I think for there to be a chance for something honest and real, you got to get down to the sort of the, I don't know what the right metaphor is, but like the foundation yeah and really know what's there, face what's there, and then rebuild something else um, or choose not to. But I think it will help both of you to really be able to look honestly at what's there. Even if you choose not to keep trying, it will help you go forward in a stronger way. Right. Yeah. yeah mhm. So, I think Noah you were telling the story then of you were deluding yourself even, you know, it's a very easy thing for human beings to do. This feels good. I want it to be something that's legit. So you're participating in the deception even of yourself. So maybe keep going either one of you from there.
3: I mean, I don't want to Minimize that somehow I was deceived. I mean, I think that we yeah. all know who we are and we know what our intentions are. Yes. And so, you know,
1: no, I agree with that. I'm not feeling sorry for you or something like that. But also, when something feels good or we want it to be legit, we start lying to ourselves. We start working out narratives, we're, we're selling ourselves a narrative. Yeah. We're trying to sell it to ourselves. And the more we have to go over it, the more we're trying to sell ourselves something, you know, rather than just what do I know to be true that I don't want to face? That's a much better question for ourselves. But
3: so, I mean, just going back a little bit, uh, I mean, having my kids kind of accuse me of it and then me trying to deny it, I mean, that was, that's a horrible place to be. It was traumatic yeah. for me. I grew up as a, member of the LDS church, uh, full-blown, classic, just normal Mormon family, went on a mission, brothers and sisters. So that's also part of the narrative that I think is important. Yeah. So to be discovered, I mean, we know what it's like in the church to, to have to confess something, to own up to something which is humiliating, you're ashamed of. Uh, the yes. whole shame, guilt complex. I mean, that was instantly. I mean, it was already in full effect, but now it yeah. was in. I mean, I would cry constantly before Allie knew anything, and she would know. I mean, I would do it in secret uh, because yeah. I felt so guilty over what I was doing, and yes. then so for Allie to find out, I went to a counselor for about six months on my own after the initial disclosure where I minimized it and tried to make it to be only an emotional affair, I went to a counselor for about six months trying to figure out how I could live with myself and how I could rebuild a relationship without telling Ali the whole truth. Yeah. Um, and that was hell. Yes. And in the end, I knew that I couldn't do it. Yes. i sorry.
2: And the thing was that I went to counseling as well and then went on a vacation by myself to try to feel like myself again. And I came back and decided that I was going to forgive. And mm-hmm. I I found that I could understand why someone would go to somebody else for validation and love because we were struggling in our marriage. We had issues with one of our children this teenage rebellion was tearing us apart and we were parenting different and it was it, we were fighting over that and it was tearing mm. us apart. And um, so I decided, you know what? I can understand the need to go somewhere else. And so mm. I'll forgive you. And I want to move forward with our marriage. Like I mm. can accept what you did. Sure. I can accept. And then, mm-hmm. and then as I did that, he then realized that he couldn't continue to lie anymore. Right. Right told me the truth
3: I couldn't have a relationship that was built on an assumption that was not true right and that is, that it was just an emotional affair
1: Right.
3: Alan's and, very and- much wants to know the truth I mean I went over that now all of a sudden brings into account the whole affair recovery and trickle truth and added exposure which now is even worse yeah to reveal that it was a full affair and that I mean, Ali, yes. we lost it, of course, at that point. Well, understandably, because
2: so. I asked him so many times right. if he had created <laughs> and sure he I lied
3: straight up. He, I, yes. It's the classic. Yeah, you think that you know someone, you think they could never look you in the eyes and lie. Yeah. I managed to do it. He to looked many me people. in the
2: eye and said, "I would never do that to you." Yeah, yeah, and he yeah. did. He was lying. Yeah, it's
3: so that's part of where we're stuck is for sure is not recoverable even because yeah. I don't know that that is. And then there's many other reasons too, but go ahead.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think you're putting your finger right on a core issue and Noah, when you were saying like, I was really trying to sell myself, sell Ali a narrative that was half true. Like, could I, Pull this off, right, and yeah. can we just like have her know enough, but protect her us? I don't mean it literally protects, but the fantasy protect her, us from the full truth, and noah you you know you got emotional at this point, but just kind of realizing like it's just hell walking through that, like trying to pull off what isn't true is enormous emotional work for anyone who's conscientious or cares yeah. <laughs> about what's true and or another person
3: sure i may say that i suffered but again i know I'm that
1: not, was- right i'm not feeling sorry for you i promise but i am naming what i think the human experience often knows which is we want this fantasy that we can live in deception and get away with it but it does haunt us you can't have peace of mind no, no. even within yourself it's no. too, it's impossible. So yeah. it sounds like you then came forward, Noah, and then said, look, here's the real deal. Or how did that happen?
3: That's right. So it's important, I think, also to recognize that I was maintaining my relationship with my mm-hmm. partner um, mm-hmm. during that whole time. In yeah. collusion, you know, we haven't come forth and told the truth to our partners and it's just going to, we're going to maintain this charade or this narrative. Mm-hmm. But I was also still in this fantasy, desperation, whatever it is, world of affair, where I wanted to keep that relationship somehow.
1: Yeah. Even exactly. though
3: at this point, we're no longer, I didn't work with them anymore. They had left the business where we were working. And mm-hmm. so that connection was no longer there. There was still mm-hmm. the odds or not the email but the odd text or phone call and I think I went to see her a couple of times just to say hello Um,
1: Mm
3: -hmm. so then it came out and I realized I couldn't walk in both worlds at the same time and I had to tell Allie the truth and so I told her the truth and then I mean that's when I mean for lack of a better word like just all hell broke loose there was instant phone calls uh, you know, let me
2: tell this side of the story. I felt yeah. like he tried to control everything. He tried to control everything that I knew, what I was allowed to know. So the thing is, is I found out his affair partner's partner's phone number and messaged him to let him know what had happened, that yeah. they had been lying to us, and that I wasn't going to tolerate them controlling the narrative anymore. And I'm the one who let her partner know, and then mm-hmm. we both of them all you know well she wouldn't let me confront her so I never was allowed to confront
3: so, her I mean going back to that uh, anyways I don't really want to go back to that it was a horrible time
1: yeah yeah horrifying so
3: really at that point going forward I mean there was already the threats I'm gonna were done you know divorce was instantly on the table and then of course at this point then it was You know, you're out of the house and you're Mm -hmm. over or done. And so it was an immediate reaction and understandable, of course. I -hmm. never did the house. I stayed in the house. We have a kind of a guest house as well. So that kind of, Mm -hmm. I went back and forth from really. So since that time, I've been back and forth from our guest cottage to um, Mm the basement to. So fast
2: forward a year from that point, living separately, we decided it was either separation or make it work. And Mm -hmm. so then for the last year, we've been living in the same house, sleeping in the same bed. But for me, it has felt like the wall is still there. The pornography is still there. I went through a Bloom program. I feel like I've really made a lot of strides. I've made a decision to love myself and recognize that I really had no control over that situation that, Mm -hmm. yes, we had issued in our marriage, but this was his decision to go down that Mm -hmm. road. Mm -hmm. And I've really had to say, I'm not going down that road with you anymore. Like you've Mm -hmm. taken me down a road I don't want to be on and either get it figured out or I'm going to go on a different road. So then we've been yeah. staying in the same bed and I have very much felt like there's been no um, verbal or physical reassurance that he is choosing me. And so I've moved back out because I just feel like I'm living with a wall. I'm sleeping beside a log mm-hmm. who doesn't reassure me on a daily basis that I'm the one who's chosen. Like we haven't kissed or barely touched for almost three years, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's been pretty brutal. We've had a couple physical encounters, but mm-hmm. they've always been just like weird. Very
3: awkward. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, sure.
2: Sometimes they're nice. Is,
3: after is awkward. So we have been intimate two or three times since then. But mm-hmm. then there's always the what was that and how did that happen? And what does that mean? And yeah, I don't really have any good answers for that.
2: Yeah. So I just feel like there's two things that are still very much in the way two boundaries that I've set up. One is pornography. I don't want pornography in my life. I don't Mm -hmm. want pornography in my marriage. Mm
0: -hmm. And
2: two, because he was so engrossed in this relationship, I mean, he even brought this person to my home. So I felt Mm -hmm. violated in every possible way. And Mm -hmm. for me, the last way that I feel violated or betrayed is if any ounce of this woman is still in his head, I can't Mm -hmm. tolerate it. I want Mm -hmm. him to see her for who she was, the person who destroyed our family. Mm -hmm. And he can explain why he can't meet my two boundaries, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Or maybe you can say that I'm nuts and those boundaries are
1: (laughs) ridiculous. I don't know. No, those don't sound ridiculous to me. I mean, so Noah, give me your response to what Ali's asking for from you. Um,
3: well, so how I would respond to Ali is that pornography is something that I have struggled with on and off to various degrees. And of course, I think that it is important to discuss what that actually looks like and how Mm -hmm. that's manifested in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, but that pornography, I will be honest with her in Mm -hmm. use of pornography, when, how, wear those kind of things, mm-hmm. but I do find that her saying that if I ever look at pornography again, that she's done, and mm-hmm. when an addict hears that, the addict speaking, I think will say, "How do you ever? I will live up to that the day that I die, because that's the only day that I'll actually know that I didn't do it and met your requirements." Now mm-hmm. that might. And as I say, that is to some degree an addict speaking, but we know we talked about it the other day, just to be very frank. I looked at pornography last week. Mm -hmm. So why are we still here?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's an addict speaking. It's also a victim speaking. So what I mean by that is it's not about you taking deep enough responsibility for your life for you to be trustworthy. You're not yet a trustworthy person, and Allie knows it. Yep. And I'm not saying, I will show you more what I mean, and we're going to need more than just this meeting, obviously. Tell me just a little bit about the wall Allie's speaking to. What's your view of that with yourself relative to the marriage, relative to the affair partner?
3: Well, and so then the second point to that is, if I have any feelings towards my affair partner, Again, this is a very hard thing for Allie to hear, but this is somebody that I had a relationship with Mm -hmm. and all of that entails for many years.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: Um, If I can compartmentalize or differentiate that between an affair partner who is willing to go down a road, which quite frankly, I was the one that crossed the line. Mm -hmm. So Allie is shaking her head right now saying that, you know, my affair partner is the one that crossed the line, and I totally agree with that. There are boundaries that were crossed that were not respected that should have been there. It's not mm-hmm. even really that they just weren't there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Allie, do you mind just giving your perspective on that? You did. You shook your head yeah, as Noah said do. to say and how you see that.
2: So when Noah worked with this woman, I said from the beginning that I didn't trust her. Mm -hmm. And multiple times throughout their working relationship, I said, professional boundaries were being crossed. And Mm -hmm. that I told him multiple times, this is how she's crossing the professional boundary. You need to put Mm -hmm. up boundaries. You need to stop Mm -hmm. that. And this person would flirt right in front of me and right Mm -hmm. in front of my children. And so what I'm saying is, if she had those professional boundaries, like other people that he worked with, those Mm -hmm. other people would never allowed him to cross those boundaries because Mm -hmm. they
1: were professional. They had them. Yes. Mm
2: -hmm. Yes. And this person didn't have those professional boundaries. And I think that he absolutely colluded. And I think that he crossed the boundaries, but if she had her boundaries up and was remotely professional, this wouldn't have happened. And I kept bringing that. that. I kept bringing that to the forefront. Right.
1: Right. But I think Ali, just the point you're making is yeah, that to permeate a boundary like that is, it's a collusion. Yes. And I don't think Noah's necessarily disputing it. But yeah, that's the idea that this is two people participating in a validation exchange, which is what affairs are. And it's a way of finding a sort kind of a place that you can kind maybe, of.
2: Maybe there's a part of me that still hears him protecting her.
1: And maybe uh-huh. that's
2: why it irritates me so
1: much. Yeah. Right. You're saying this is not a good woman and you're afraid your husband still holds the idea yes that she exactly. is maybe yeah. what he's also saying I think you're both right I think in this way is she's not the villain meaning we're both villains <laughs> if there's a villain we're both villains but I can understand right. Ali. you're saying don't protect her because yeah. that's a problem for me yeah. uh, she isn't a trustworthy person I think you're saying you've got to see her for who she is exactly. which of course is also Noah seeing himself for who he is
0: To access the rest of this episode and more coaching sessions like this one, visit the link to the website in the show notes below. There you can learn more about the podcast and subscribe to it. Become an annual subscriber today. Annual subscribers receive exclusive benefits that you can't get anywhere else, including an opportunity for a free coaching call with Dr. Finlayson Fife, priority access to her live events, a free 30-minute e-course on creating a better sex life, and bonus content, such as episodes and Facebook Lives. We are so excited about launching Room for Two and giving you access to more of Dr. Fife's wisdom and insight. We hope that you'll subscribe, listen, and gain value from the episodes. Thanks. Have a great week.